Hey friends, this is Holly Goodman, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's group of exceptional autism parents intro. Welcome to Isaac's Autism Wild podcast. Thank you for joining us. I, this is, you're probably noticing we sound a lot different today because we are recording in person. Woo. And we have, um, some of my favorite guests and that have joined me. David is, uh, David, you are in your car traveling and on a business trip and you still made time to be part of our 100th podcast. So I appreciate that. So David's going to sound a little different than the rest of us. Cause we are all, we have microphones and we were close. And because this is our 100th podcast, if you hear some chinking ice, it's because we are having a celebratory. Yes. We are celebrating our 100th podcast and the fact that we can do this in person now, which is huge. So Part of what I want to talk about today is we have survived a lot since our very first podcast and we have grown a lot. So um, one of the things that I would say is when we first started, how many people did we have listening to us? Maybe 16 at first. Um, and that might have just been, I don't know. You know what? It was probably my guests family that were actually <laughs> listening to our very first podcast, right? David's yes. David's nodding because David, as it turns out, that was how I found out that some of our listeners in California were your family, right, David? Very supportive family. Yep. They were very supportive family. And then also we ended up developing a following over in the UK, which then we find out that Chevy who's joining <laughs> us today, her husband is from the UK. And so Anyway, it's just been funny when you go and look at the um, demographics of where we get people listening. We have people, obviously, United States is number one. I would have thought Canada would be number two, but it ends up being United, United Kingdom. <laughs> so good job, Chevy family. Woo! Um, Australia, we have yeah, Australia is a big listenership. So we went from having, I think, 16 listeners, which I'm like I said, I'm guaranteeing it was probably all my mom guests and then maybe their husbands, my moms, you know, that sort of thing listened at first. But now we can be some weeks we have, gosh, over 200 listens a week, which is really good. And we get lots of feedback. Now, Sometimes it's very awkward because we'll be in public someplace. Last summer, we spent the summer selling raffle tickets. I'm, I'm making Anna being part of this 100th podcast. She's our, I call her our producer and editor. She's the one that keeps all of this going. But we sold raffle tickets last summer. And were you with me the day where we were in front of Ziggy's and the family came up to me? Yeah. And um, they were like, oh my gosh, we listen to your podcast. Like we're such a big fan. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so you're the person that listens, you know? <laughs> But come to find out, um, their daughter went, actually their two kids went, go to Hutton Elementary School with my daughter and my son, Caleb. And so they had just gotten diagnosed and she was just saying how helpful it was to be able to listen to the podcast, pick and choose podcasts that relate to something that they knew was coming up or something that they were personally feeling and how it really normalized things for everyone. And so I guess my question to you guys to start with, because I didn't tell them what we're recording today, because I thought we should just be spontaneous. We're going to wing it. So my question is, is do you like what have you, some of you I know have listened to a lot of our podcasts. And so my question is, does it help normalize? That was the whole point of why we started the podcast is that, well, number one, we get a lot of people calling, asking questions. And so we asked, we were asked, 
lot of the same questions over and over and over again. And so we thought, okay, well, we made a resource manual, which is good, but turns out people don't like to read. But what people <laughs> do like to do is they like to listen to things. And so we were like, oh, we should try doing a podcast. So I don't know, a few summers ago, I took a, a class, a workshop during the summer to learn how to do podcasting. Anyway, it still took me probably nine months, 11 months to actually get the nerve to actually record my first podcast because it was terrifying. But the whole thought process was that if we could get some of this information out on different topics, different issues, wouldn't that help normalize some of the same things that we all think and feel, but you sometimes you're afraid to actually put it out there in the world because maybe you're the only one. And the resounding message that we get from people that message or send Facebook messages or we run into in public, which you're kind of like, oh my gosh, like that was, it's good, right? Um, we've never gotten any hate mail. So my question is like, what about sharing common experiences help? Okay. So I'm going to, I'm looking at Chevy and Chevy, we should go on record and saying you have been on my podcast, probably from the very beginning. And this will probably be your very last in-person mm, podcast yes. with us because you're going to be moving. Mm, yes. Um, oh. I was just going to say your podcast does an amazing job at normalizing just the experience of being an autism parent. Um, actually, that's one of the first things I did after my daughter was diagnosed is I was on the podcast hunt because I was just getting into podcasts at the time. That was about three years ago. And so I was on the hunt for like anything autism related. Some of them helpful, some of them <laughs> not so much. Um, but I think yours consistently, you're hitting on topics that people are definitely searching for and wanting to know when they're in that process of just being diagnosed or maybe even suspicious. Yes. And I, you even talking about this, I've had at least three people since Kira has been diagnosed, reach out to me and be like, hey, so like, what were those signs? <laughs> exactly. That, uh, autism, right? Because, yes. you know, they might have suspicions on their own children or family member and I straight away will send them to the podcast or to Isaac's um, foundation website. But the podcasts are even better because it even has the subject of like, what advice would you give a new parent or yes. your younger self? And it's like right at that, the spot that they're in where yes. they're really seeking that information. So I think it's great. And that's one of the things we've been fine tuning is how can we make this more searchable on the topics? Because as you know, like sometimes you're you're like, oh, I don't need to know this information. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap, I need that information. Mm -hmm. where, where was that? Because you don't necessarily need to listen to every podcast, especially if it doesn't really resonate or it's an issue for you. But then all of a sudden down the road, something quickly becomes a problem. Right. right. So, yeah, I think that's definitely true. Definitely normalize this thing. I used to I and I've put, mentioned this in a podcast in the past, but I'm going to mention it now. I get invited not as much now because my kids are older and it makes it super awkward. I got invited to a lot of play dates, like organized play dates because well-meaning friends would want me to get a read on their friend's child and decide whether or not I thought that their friend's kid was on the spectrum. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. But like, I am not going to do that. And the worst thing about it was, too, is if I would go or they would invite me and I didn't know why I was there. And then all of a sudden after the party is over, it's like, hey, so what do you think? Autism? And then you're just like, oh, my gosh, like, what do you say if your, your thought process is, oh, yeah, definitely picking up a vibe. It's like to tell or not to tell, which is a podcast topic that we have had. So um, all sorts of things that we can normalize in in the podcast realm. So I th definitely think it's been helpful. The other thing, my next guest is Carly. Carly, when we first connect, actually, I've known you for a long time. Yes. But before you were a mother, 
And go ahead and introduce yourself and your lovely children. Hi, I'm Carly. Um, And like Holly said, I've known her since long before I had my kids. Um, But I have almost three-year-old twins um, that we adopted about a year and a half ago. And we're both diagnosed with autism this past December. Yes. And so when we reached out now, not because of other connections, but because you had questions about the boys, one of the very first things I think I told you was, oh, we have a podcast, you know? So Carly, that was one of the first things that I recommended was, I mean, among other things, we were talking about providers, how to find, although there was a podcast even about that. So it was like everything I talk about with new parents, there's usually almost always a podcast that kind of coincides with that. So we have spent quite a bit of time trying to figure out a way to make it super searchable on our website so people can really find what they need. So, um, and so now you have been, this is actually only your second podcast. Yes. I'm yes. still new. You're still new, but your, your mom was so cute. She was so proud. I ran into your mom and she was like, Oh, I'm just so proud of her for being on the podcast. <laughs> so, um, one of our listeners is Carly's mom. So. Hi mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> She's so proud. Yes. So it's a hard thing at first to be on the podcast. And I, sometimes I have to really coax people to come on. Um, our friend, Shelly. Shelly, if you're listening, she's, we love you, Shelly, but she is very, even though I promise I will not record like with a camera, she still gets nervous about being on a podcast. So, and yet she is so funny. So one of these days I'm going to like sneak a recording just on my phone (laughs) and we'll just, you know, cause she is so funny and she has so much to offer, but she is just so uncomfortable um, talking because she thinks that like, she's going to mess it up or something. I mean, look at us, hundred podcasts. We're drinking. Oh, see, look, and we're drinking one tree. That is a great photograph, ladies. Well done. So my next guest, Marie, were you part? Of, were you part of my very first one? I can't remember. At least the top first ten because I had scheduled a bunch. And I honestly don't remember my oh, first you know one, what? but I do remember our first one. I, my first one with you because I was still learning how to use the technology. I totally screwed it up, and one only one microphone was working, which was I think mine. And we were trying to get. Um, use my microphone to then amplify your guys's conversation on it. And it just ended up not working well. So then I had to call you and be like, Hey, so remember that podcast that we recorded? Uh, we're going to have to do it again. But I think the second one ended up turning out better than the first one. I don't even remember what the topic was. Um, but oh, oh, maybe it was, um, was it, Oh, maybe it was like the step parent, like as a step parent, oh. maybe it was the dynamics of raising a child, um, when he's not, he's not your biological child. So go ahead and introduce yourself, Maria. So I'm Maria. My bonus son is 14, Josiah. And I feel as if I'm one of the veterans of the group, like we've kind of been through most of what autism has to offer good and bad oh, in the <laughs> so worst way possible. Many, many stories that I feel <laughs> privileged to be able to share. With Why is it Maria that with you, like you always give me the stories that I use for training purposes with first responders and for, because I take one for the team to do. all the time. Yes. I take one for the team all the time. I'm thinking about it and cause I, Isaac foundation does first responder training. And so, yeah, you're right. Actually two of my missing Josiah stories. Or, or training points are actually Josiah running away. One of the two things I'm going to just mention that are just gems for first responders, and they appreciate it so much, is number one, the shoes. You know, look to see whether or not their shoes are there if they've gone wandering. So give it a little bit of background on that one. So um, unfortunately, we have quite the adventurous little guy who has eloped pretty seriously about three times now. The first time we were at our like first date in like years at a country concert, so stoked about it. Then we get the, that call that every autism parent waits for that the babysitter lost the kid. 
So we fly home. We call 911. Um, the sheriffs actually beat us to the house and all of our neighbors were fantastic and had flashlights out and was looking for him. They actually found him in the closet, but we didn't know what he was wearing. We didn't we couldn't provide any information for 911 because we weren't home. But when I got home, I saw that his shoes were in the entryway. So, so that was like, a good indication yeah. at his development level then yeah. that he wouldn't have gone outside without them because yes. it was so routine. Yes. But that's for first responders. I say that's a really good question to ask parents like, you know, with their sensory profile, will they leave the house without their shoes? Mm -hmm. Because that would have saved a lot of panic had you had that presence of mind. Yeah. My second favorite story um, that we use for training purposes is now um, you get the call in the morning oh, that yes. um, uh, are you, you know, Josiah's yes. parents. And so, yeah. Um, with our autism, I like to say when um, our kiddo's ready for bed, we are then ready for bed yep. because it's exhausting. Yes, it's exhausting. And then when he's up, we have to be up and on. There is no like putting on a cartoon and here's a bowl of cereal. It's all grounds hit all feet hit the ground and we're going for the day. So we had tucked him into bed that night and we had gone to bed. Didn't think anything of it. Woke up the next morning about six o'clock from a phone call from a Spokane number. And I typically don't answer it, but I'm like, who would be calling that early on a Saturday? This is weird. So I answered it. It was actually our local um, ER asking if we were missing a kid. And I said, no, we're all tucked into bed. They're like, well, we think we have one of your sons. And I assumed it would have been another one of ours. One of the teenagers. <laughs> yeah, I assumed it was one of the teenagers. And they're like, do you have a Josiah? And I'm like, yeah, but he's in bed. Like, yeah. not us. So I go in his room and I open his door and lo and behold, he's not there. So then we literally fly to the emergency room. Yeah. So what had happened was is he had gotten out in the night and somehow made it to a hotel that was about a mile and a half away. And normally his stamina isn't that long. So that was surprising. So I still don't know if he really walked that far, if he got dropped off. I don't want to mm -hmm. think about all yeah. of the what ifs. It's too terrifying. Just too much. Um, he did not have his shoes on with this elopement um just goes to show you that sensory profiles do change, change. over time yeah because it was podcast. snowy and it was snowy this yeah. time and he went without his shoes um so eventually the hotel staff had called 911 because they first assumed because he didn't have his shoes on he was a guest of the hotel and he just kept coming in and out of the pool area which is another terrifying path which leads us to number three that would be the third <laughs> terrifying story yes let's, let's stick with number two for the moment um, so he became pretty combative, which we're not surprised about. So they had to restrain him and do the ambulance thing. And this whole time they're trying to get information, but he's nonverbal. So um, they were trying to ask him questions and he wasn't responding to the questions. And if his fight or flight is activated, he was probably not even in a state where he can even comprehend the questions yeah. at that time. So they brought him to the local emergency room and um, the nurse had a glove on and she was writing down his stats and he had taken the pen from her and wrote his name on her glove. First and last name. Yes. And so then they, they went through the database. Yeah. In the database. Yep. In their and they cold called every Josiah with our last name yeah. in our area with similar, similar diagnosis yeah. and age. And they finally got to us. Yes. So they, yeah. interestingly enough, um, not the first in the, yeah, apparently there's lots of people um, or multiple people with similar names, but mm -hmm. that was crazy that mm -hmm. they, they figured it out. But that was one of, that goes to my training point number two for first responders. If they're nonverbal, give them a pen. Who knows? Maybe they'll write their name. And we've taught him how to text on phones because we know that he can't talk, but yeah. he, he can read and he can write and he can spell. Yeah. Um, so we have taught him how to use a phone, not thinking and writing pen to paperwork has always been important, at least for name and phone number. Yeah. So it came in handy. It's worth all the work that all the paras do and all the teachers do. It's yes. absolutely worth yes. at least write your name yeah. and a phone number. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So unfortunately, yeah, most of my, a lot of good at training tips. I'm come, sorry. They, oh no. Hey, you know what? And <sighs> sadly, whenever my phone rings now and it's, it's, oh God, now what's <laughs> happened? Because, you know, I'm usually like your like mm-hmm. next call for help sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, like this was terrifying. Cause again, I think it helps normalize it when you have someone that you can talk to and just say, Hey, oh my gosh, like this is what just happened. And not be accused of neglect. Like Mm-hmm. It was every day. It was no different than every day it had been for the last three years. Yes. Like and we, the thing that sucks about that, too, is that, you know, what? like we have to sleep like we are. We need parents need to sleep. So, well, be it, um, which takes us to then, of course, the story number three, which was when he ended up um, eloping from yes. his birth mom's home. Yes. And he was found down in the Spokane River, like head to toe wet. Um, it then, you know, it's interesting because that day, what's interesting is I was actually with my husband cause he's a firefighter here in the city. And I was actually listening to that 911 call. And as soon as they said it was a young boy with autism, I'm telling John, I'm like, Oh my God, like there's a boy with autism and he's non-responsive. Like we have to go, we have to go down there. And he's like, okay, there's lots of units there. It was upgraded from to a Charlie call, which he says that means that, you know, it's not that he's, they're doing CPR or anything. It's just that, you know, he it was cold. And so they were, you know, that sort of thing. But what was interesting about that was, you know, when you hear, so what happens is Spokane news is an organization in Spokane that listens to dispatch calls. And so they'll say, Oh, 911 call, um, you know, boy with, you know, autism in the Spokane river. And that's when I should stick to my rule about not reading the comments because people are Mm -hmm. such jerks like you know oh Mm -hmm. people need to watch their kids and it's one of those things where too when i became you know again it scared me and i told john we should need to go we're not too far and he says there's like a lot of crews there we're fine and then my phone rings like 10 minutes later and it's maria (laughs) crying yeah oh my gosh they just found josiah in this and i'm like what i was just listening to that call but like i said it's so unfortunate because you know spokane news i do like the the the, you know that facebook page because it provides a lot of great information but unfortunately it's also a platform for trolls Mm -hmm. to be able to think you know post comments about what they think yeah and it was just one of those things where and i have this new rule that i don't read the comments and i just got sucked into that one and i shouldn't have because i was emotionally invested Mm -hmm. and it was so disheartening you know and anytime a child with a disability goes missing or there's an issue the things that people say And the judgments towards special needs parents is just absolutely appalling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost, I just wish that you could take those trolls and say, you're um, now being sentenced to having to listen to 10 episodes of Isaac's Autism Wild podcast. But you understand While you're watching the child that's supposed to be watching watching it for a full 24 hours. Yes. Because please let me go take a nap. No, but first you have to stay up. First you have to stay up for 36 hours and then watch the child with autism. But all the time. You can't even pee without like Mm -hmm. having an ear ready to see if somebody's walking out the door. Yes. Go ahead, please. I I welcome you. If you can do (laughs) such a better job raising this child, I invite you to try. Yes. Just try. Yes. Um, so that's one of those things where, yeah, I get a lot of, unfortunately, I get a lot of good training material from Maria and her family. So while I hate that, and I hope someday like those training opportunities decrease, <laughs> right? Or go See, away, we're doing a favor, aren't we? Our family is helping you. See, and you know, okay, let's normalize that for a second. <laughs> What's that? Oh yeah. So, but here's let's normalize this for one second. Is that because parents share those stories on Isaac's Autism Wild podcast, it does help normalize the situation for other parents. Mm-hmm. Chevy just had a wandering incident not too long ago. I was they were nice and invited 
John and I over to their house for dinner here not too long ago. <laughs> and they had just gotten back from their trip from San Diego. Yes. So we had our first and your stories, I will tell you, like they keep me up. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's helpful though because it makes us more vigilant about being more mindful. But um we we had this, of course, naive thought of like she's not going to wander when we're on a vacation because when she wanders, it's always at home because she knows she has a little routine where yeah. she goes when she wanders. It's always the same neighbor that decides to provide her with treats. Which we're trying to deal with right now. <laughs> Which I feel like we need to sentence them to listening to 10 Isaac yes. foundation podcasts because literally you're reinforcing the behavior. Time when she over Do there. not feed the neighbor. <laughs> but we had that naive thought of like, She's not going to wander on vacation because it's unfamiliar. She doesn't know the area. She wouldn't be comfortable enough to wander because she wouldn't have a routine route to go because she doesn't know this place. So we were in San Diego, family vacation. We're in an Airbnb that's walking distance to the beach. We're day four. So in her oh, head, she, now she, has a routine. she knows the route to get to the okay, speech. Okay, so let's just say this. Okay, if you are going on a vacation, parents, every single time you walk to the beach, go a different route mm-hmm. so they have no idea where they're going. Take them in the car, drive like 15 yes. miles, then go to the beach, even if it's walking distance. No, that's a good point. That's, that's a joke. I may have to try it's that. It's a joke, but actually, now that no, I say I it do out that. loud, yeah. it's not a bad idea, everybody. Okay, you heard it first here on Isaac's Autism Wild. So, okay, finish your story because. So, we typically, you know, hey guys, we're getting ready for the beach. So, I'm collecting all all of the beach stuff. Um, my oldest is downstairs with her and we're just getting ready. And I already changed her into her swimsuit. So she's already ready to go. You've reinforced you're going to the beach. No, no life jacket on yet though. Just the swimsuit. Um, but anyways, uh, I go downstairs and I notice that the front door is open. So I ask my oldest, I'm like, Hey, why is the front door open? He's just like, Oh, Kira was just out there like in the front playing. And I'm just like, Oh, why aren't you out there with her? He's like, oh, because she's just right there. And we yeah, but she's there, not right and there. She's just not right there. So oh. we're thinking, okay, like oh. she's wandered. She's going to be really close because she's not going to go any distance. She's probably literally like around the corner. Or like yeah. she's going to be really close. And uh, it was like we got to like minute 10 and I'm like, well, this has not happened this to us. Is not I'm like losing my shit at this yes. point because yes. we have not had that length of time of her being missing ever either. Um, and we're in this new place and I'm like, there's streets, both sides of this Airbnb. There's the beach not too far. And so uh, Simon's like, she's at the beach. And I'm like, no, she's she would not go that far. He's like, I'm going to the beach. So he, he was just like, I don't even care. I'm going to the beach. His dad instinct so, kicked in and he was like, he I'm went going to the, to the beach. beach. He, he got there before I did. She's just like in the waves, you know. And I asked the question, are any other parents Thinking to themselves, um, hmm, this is peculiar. Oh, she's the size of about a five, four, five year old. She's by tiny. herself. Yes, um, she's tiny. And so we get down there, and we're in an area where the sh- the break is really shallow, and these are some really high waves. Like we even have to watch them when we're down there because yeah. it's really high waves for a shallow break. Um, and she's just down there, you know, in the way. Like, hey guys, you hey. made it! Oh, you made it! Like, Welcome! So excited! I we're a there spot next to my thing. <laughs> And so, and Simon's like running down. He's like crying and like emotionally. He's like, he's like, I want to scream at her, but like, I also can't do that. Also, too, there's people around because you would like to beat her, but like, but anyways, he got, he got to her. He's talking to her. He's really upset. And then this guy comes over who's a photographer who's doing like engagement photos or something. He's like, oh yeah, that's a little girl that almost got ran over by a car. (gasps) 
to make matters worse <gasps> and it's like and you just kept on like i mean at what point oh he's I get working the, you're working but it's but. a child and like you don't just say hey sorry but we've got an emergency here yeah so she, ran, in she Diego, ran out in front of that's a not. car the car stopped she proceeded to go because she has zero no, road safety smarts. at yeah. all. Well, you don't like when you live off of the road, too. Yeah. So it's not like yeah. she has a lot of exposure to that. So she did leads that me and to my the, other idea. Yeah. He made the comment. And then we're like, OK, so like two nightmares happened at once. She's in water. Yes. She almost got like a car. She went way further than we thought she would. So my anxiety has been a lot higher since then. Yes. But, but we've learned not to get too comfortable and naive mm-hmm. when we're not home because we kind of gotten that naive place of like this is only an at-home issue which really it's not yes unfortunately some problems grow yeah whether yeah Mm, that's not good oh but anyway I'm glad that she's okay but it's funny it's not funny but it's there is a little bit of comfort in knowing like you're not alone and again then when jerky people are just like what kind of a parent let's there because she does I would say she looks like she's like a four-year I mean she's so tiny she's very slight six but she's Closer so to a four or five year old size. Yes. Um. So she looks like a little kid. Um, yeah. But yeah. But no. Yeah. Nobody went up to her. Nobody thought this was peculiar that there's like a toddler sized child by there by themselves in like these huge waves. So. So. And not- that's our problem. We ran into is Josiah looks like he's thirteen. Yeah. So it's not untypical to see a thirteen year old walking along the side of the road, like yes. or wherever he's at, like an angsty teen. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I think people are Especially even less likely to. Especially when you're trying to talk to him, he's not talking to you. You might still think that's an angsty teen. Yeah. Just like, oh, I'm not, I don't have to. And you don't bat you. an eye. Yeah. Like, yeah. Totally. Oh, my friend Angela is also joining us. Now, Angela, how many podcasts do you think you've been on? Oh, I don't remember. A few. A few. Here <laughs> or there. So introduce yourself and your family. I'm Angela. I have two kiddos, 14 and 12 year old, my 14 year old, my daughter, Robin. Um, she's part of our Isaac's uh, sibling spotlight program. Yes. And my daughter plays with her and is yes. a big fan. They're besties. Oh, yeah. Sibling spotlight besties. Um, and my son, he's 12. He'll be 13 in November. So wish me luck. I'll have two teenagers uh, in November. Um, so he has, he's the one with autism. Uh, it's super fun adventure. Um, so we deal with like autism, speech apraxia. ADHD, all the things that he's so like sweet and like his biggest like behavior. I, I joke around because he's in middle school now. And uh, when he transitioned in middle school, he was crying a lot. And his case manager was like, oh, well, he's crying. He can't cry. He's a sixth grader. I was like, yeah, but this is his only behavior. So really, you're going to get on me because he's crying. Boo. And how is that even something that yeah. someone see one of my podcasts that I want to actually have is what not what not to say to an autism parent. And I think yeah. that that needs to be one of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. My other hot button is, which maybe I should say it for my podcast of what not to say to an autism parent is thank you for advocating for your child. And I just want to shout, how about if in a perfect world, I yeah. wouldn't have to work yes. this hard to advocate for my child. Yep. So yes. while it's a compliment, it's almost like a backhanded compliment in the sense that yep. it's so frustrating where it's like, but you're for the system is designed that we don't have a choice. And you understand that advocating means that you're having to fight. Yes. Right? You have to work 10 times as yes. hard as a typical parent. Yeah. And it's it's exhausting. It is. But you always take it in stride. I mean, maybe it's just what we see, but you are so relaxed and laid back and you don't, I mean, because there's been some big things that have gone on and yes. you are still 
yeah, it's going to be fine. We're just, you know, going to, and you just, we're just going to roll well, with it because yeah. that is just your like personality. I, I try to, to have that appearance, I think, because it helps me. Because if I were to freak out about everything, then it would just get in my brain like, oh, this is the end of the world. It's terrible. But I also work um, my first two years in the school district. I worked in a self-contained program. I actually got to work with Josiah. Uh, <laughs> he is my favorite uh, kiddo. He's so super fun. Um, and then the last two years, I actually worked in beha- I'm working in behavior intervention. So I'm going into my third year in that. And I just I think I just see those kiddos and their stories and their needs and I'm like hey my my stuff isn't that bad I mean we have needs and I have to advocate but my kids they're not kids they don't not kids of like severe trauma like um they still have we still have a pretty good household like it's still mom and dad it's still the two of them um I mean my daughter has some traumas and we're you know just counseling and all that but another time for that story um (laughs) We could have this podcast go yeah. for hours, ladies. And, but don't um, worry, we still have some one tree because we're ting, giving them right. a plug. <laughs> Thank you, one tree. Right. Um, so I just, I, I don't know. I just, I try to be like, okay, like what we're going through, it's tough and it's hard, but we, we can do it. Yeah. We can figure it out. And that's I what think, I tell my kids. We yeah. can do hard things. Yeah. Do we always want to do, do hard, hard things? things? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Do we always, no, we don't want to always have to do the hard things, but we mm-hmm. can, we are capable yeah. But now one thing that you mentioned is you work for a school district. And yep. so now I'm going to big my, I, I, I led these girls into telling them there's kind of a big reveal yeah. um, and it will impact some people. And I was like, oh, I should probably not mention this, but no, I'm going to, because mm-hmm. why do I have to keep anybody's secrets? Like I just don't. So one thing that's happening. So here's the thing that happens in autism, I should say special needs world, but I feel like it really affects our autism community the most is, is that we have been advocating for a long time in Spokane to allow BCBAs into the schools because we want the kids spend a great deal of time at school. So why do we not have BCBAs and behavior techs in the school to be working on their behavior goals and to reinforce what we're working on in their ABA programs at home? So the good news lady is, ladies is, and gentlemen, David's on the phone, aren't on, he's zooming with us, is that um, it is now officially possible because the one holdup was, is that um, you have to be, have a certificate in order to be in the classroom. And obviously BCBAs are board certified, but there's no credentialing um, certificate that then gives them the ability to be in the classroom. Well, they have gotten through that red tape. And so it is going to be possible to have BC, if they are going, the school districts will be employing BCBAs. Not all of the districts are doing this right off the bat. Um, but that obstacle, that argument is no longer valid because there is a process to have BCBAs work for the school districts with paras or behavior techs being supervised so that we can get better services for our children. Now, with that, we can celebrate. Woo! Everybody cheers to that. Because that has been something we've all been fighting. Okay, so we're going to take a little sip here. Okay. Thank you, One Tree. Yes, thank you, One Tree. Um, Not sponsored but with yet. with that... But with that, here's the downside. It's like we take one ginormous step forward and the one step back, actually, I think it's going to be many steps back, is, is that as you guys know, there is very long wait lists for, B, for ABA. They are hiring. So Spokane Public Schools is hiring six to seven BCBAs. And guess where they're coming from? Private sector agencies. I did have a conversation with um, Becky Ramsey at Spokane Public Schools asking her to please um, seriously look at 
outside candidates outside of Spokane, because here's what's going to happen. You suck seven BCBAs just for Spokane public schools out of our private sector. And now guess what? A lot of those kids that already had services are now going to be back on wait lists. And those wait lists for those kids that are trying to get, you know, like services are now going to have like a three or four year wait list unless we can get more BCBAs in Spokane. So I was encouraging her to strongly consider outside applicants because otherwise they're going to be tanking our ABA programs here in Spokane. So it's like this one huge step forward in terms of being able to get services in the classroom. But it's going to mean that we're going to then be struggling on the private side of things. And again, um, one of the problems that, you know, ABA centers are having is, is that Medicaid reimbursement is very, very low. And a lot of kids, you know, will have primary insurance since Medicaid is the secondary. Um, and so with the reimbursement rate being very low, it makes it very difficult for these, these owners, clinic owners to be able to pay. I mean, they're trying to pay competitively so that they keep their behavior tax and their BCBAs, but how can they compete with a nine month contract yep. benefits, all the things, I mean, like literally you cannot compete with that. So we are going to be losing in the private, like we'll be losing them on the private sector. You'll be, be, be gaining it at school if you're lucky enough to have them at your school. Right. So I, it's like, I'm like, I accelerated. And then I was like, Oh, Oh my God. But wait, what, where are they coming from? So anyway, like I said, one giant step forward. And I felt like this was like more like seven steps back because yep. it's going to impact a lot more people. You know what I mean? So that's exactly why our past ABA center just closed is because their current BCBA switched companies and they couldn't fill a spot for her because of the fact that there's already a lack of BCBAs in the area. Yes. So it'll be interesting to watch with it already having closed yeah. one center. In well, that's my, was my question. I was like, is there even like seven BCBAs in the Spokane area? I oh, don't. there's lots. Trust me. There are lots. Not all of them are created equal, maybe, but um, <laughs> I got a ding, go, ding, girl. Ding. Maria was like giving me the, yeah, yeah. Right back. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's, yeah. But see, and that's that problem is, is that, um, we don't have enough BCBAs. A BCBA can only supervise a certain number of people responsibly. Mm -hmm. um, I do think some clinics maybe stretch that to a unrealistic number, um, whereas others tend to be a little bit more um, ethical when it comes to how many behavior techs and kids programs that they're supervising. But that is definitely coming out. So, you know, celebrate. Um, but yet know that this could have big ramifications. So I will keep you all apprised of what I find out. But it isn't super awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome, but yet heartbreaking at the same time. And here's the thing that sucks is because so in my family, we have um, my stepson, Cooper, who's 18 with profound autism. It impacts him significantly. And he has an ABA provider. We have an ABA um, clinic that we work with. And then I have my son, Caleb, who's more minimally impacted. So he's more higher functioning. And so he doesn't have, he doesn't have, and we're not working with an ABA um, provider for Caleb. But the thing about it is, is that in school, will Caleb maybe somewhat benefit from having that BCBA in the school district? Maybe, maybe not, but it's going to profoundly impact his stepbrother because we're sucking out BCBA. You know what I mean? So while be it, it's going to be really beneficial for some kids. I think it's, it's still like with ours where we have two kids, it's kind of like you're celebrating on one hand, but then you're like really sad for, uh, yeah. for the other child. So it's going to, it's just, you know, I don't know where, how to feel about the whole thing. Cause we are 
in Spokane Public Schools. So it will be interesting. And this is just a start, too, from what they say is that the hope is that you'll be able to, you know, because the, there's more and more kids that have IEPs than any, I mean, any time in history. So this isn't anything that's new. So, so my next guest is Michelle and this is what your third podcast. Yes, it is a third. So (laughs) you, and how did, now I have to ask the question, how did you originally find out about Isaac's autism well podcast? Well, I know about the Isaac foundation since when my daughter was about five, we got a weighted blanket. Oh, see, we're doing good things. Eight years ago or something like that. Yeah. So that was before she was diagnosed, but we've been doing a lot of good things for a long time. Yeah, and she still carries that thing around. Oh, really? Feel free to Eight trade years. it. Yeah, because well, it's probably needs to be up. Oh, yeah, upgraded so it's a heavier weight. So there's something to think about. Everybody out there, just know that they grow with your child. So right. that's true. Yeah. Okay. So you've that. been from it, but you're from Idaho. So you're yes. our one Idaho person that comes over. So mm-hmm. things a little different in Idaho than in Washington. Yeah, my daughter is 13, and she's been diagnosed since she was seven. She was diagnosed a little later because, you know, a lot of times girls with autism can fake social interactions to a point. You know, we had ADHD diagnosis and we did a lot of occupational therapy, you know, and but like socially, she just kind of kept getting a little bit behind kids. And it's it's really significant now. But like it, it was always something of that nature where we were fighting the social interactions and the difficulty in bullying and things. So. That was always a challenge. And so she's been doing habilitative intervention, which is Idaho version of yeah. ABA because very little ABA and BCBA providers, it's not required. Yeah. It's getting more, yeah. but there's very little of that in Idaho or like Coeur d'Alene, yeah. Coast Falls area. Yeah. So, so she's been doing um, habilitative intervention for five years and we've gone through different agencies, you know, because, you know, doesn't things. matter what state you're in people, you still go through lots of agencies. Well, right? yeah, we've gone through agencies just because it's, that wasn't great. Or, you know, we really liked her therapist. So we kind of followed her to a different yeah, agency. So we've done, and you know and what? Sh- I have no shame in that, which has no been way. also an Isaac foundation podcast there. topic. No shame. There's no shame. I, I, if you like somebody and yeah. things work out, you know? but more importantly, if you don't like somebody, don't stay because you're worried about right. rocking a boat, which has been kind of, well, we I don't mind advocate. rocking boats, but yeah. Maria, I know you're with me too. We don't mind rocking boats. No rocking I boats. have no problems with no it. Problem. If it makes somebody else's storm easier, yeah. I don't mind being the advocate. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty talented. Again, that word um, advocate coming up. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I find myself to be that advocate too. So Violet's 13 and my younger child is 11 and they're going through some like gender identity things right now which is actually one of our future podcast topics we actually have that on the book so we are um yeah that we're we're gonna talk about that so (laughs) anyway I think it's hard to be a sibling of an autistic child especially the younger one that's a little more socially mature than the older one and yeah so we go through a little bit of things yeah oh there's lots of things there are lots of interesting things but my favorite is when our seven-year-old does ABA therapy with our 14-year-old <laughs> oh, and yes. she's classic. She's yes. so good at it. She could train it. That's amazing. <laughs> See, and I actually thought to myself the other day as my daughter was doing something very similar um, that, gosh, you know what? If I wasn't Holly at the Isaac Foundation, I would capture all these little siblings and I would say, hey, little siblings, we're going to start our own clinic once you guys get older because you guys are going to be like 
perfect for this job. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? They should just like fall under oh, yeah. the umbrella of the Isaac Foundation. We should do something therapeutic in nature or something or clubhouse-ish or I don't know because sibling support group. I know that's the thing. Well, and we do a sibling support group and that's where, of course, a lot of the kids become friends. And um, that's the thing about it though, is that my daughter is so funny in the sense that like we went to Chevy's house and I was telling Kelly, it's like, oh, we're going to my friend Chevy's house. You know, she's got three kids, two boys, a little girl. Oh, by the way, um, you know, Kira has autism. And the girls were like, oh, OK, so like, the, you know, can she talk or not talk? You know, I was just like, no, she can talk. And, you know, I, it's but the thing about it is, is that I thought to myself, you know, I wouldn't even have to tell my daughter because she is so good at working with kids because I've met hundreds of parents over the years. And I never used daycare because I just, after losing my son, Isaac, I just didn't ever want my kids to be, well, part of it was because obviously I have a lot of insecurities and just like phobias. And so I was like, you know, they just need to stay with me all the time. It's come back to bite me in the butt. We'll talk about that a different time. But with her, it's so funny because when you meet with parents and of course they bring their kids, you know, Kelly is like, oh, let's play. And she could just naturally figure out like where developmentally they were. And sometimes that means that we're having conversations. And sometimes that's just like, do what I'm doing. And then she's doing something and then they're doing something. And then she's like, you know, let's come over here, grabbing their hand and taking them over to do something. And she was just, well, kind of bossy, but in a gentle sort of a way where, you know, um, but that's the thing is it doesn't matter to her like what, where she can just adapt and, and interact and have a meaningful relationship and interaction with them. And so I just think to myself, these it's hard for them now. Like we are not going to discount the fact that things are hard for siblings. But I also think that these are going to be the young people that are going to help create inclusive communities all over the United States, wherever they land. And that's going to be super cool to watch. So anyway, now... I'm going to do my drum roll. I think my next guest is David Allendorf. And David, you actually, if I was to count all of our Isaac Foundation podcasts, which is, this is number 100, David, you have been on the most. So I think if there was an ability to give you an award for um, podcast um, guest uh, award, you would have it, David. And you're also a fan. We're going to take a drink to you, David. We're all toasting. We're all raising our glass. Cheers to David. Because Here's what I will also say is when I get feedback about our podcast, people always comment about how much they love David. Oh, that David. He is so funny and profound. Like you're just you're like I listened to an audiobook this weekend about the holy man, which was just this, you know, guy that lived up on the mountain and people would come from the village and they would walk six days to be able to talk to him. And really, um, the advice he would give him is just like so like every day. Like, um, you know, hey, if you treated everybody like this, imagine what the world would be like. And they would have these epiphany moments and would go back to their, you know, town and do amazing things. And I think that's kind of you, David. I was thinking this whole time while I was listening to it is that you get these, you throw out these little gems or these little epiphanies or these growth moments that I was just like, oh man, we should like have like a Davidism um, and and coin some of the things that you said in our one over the, some of our podcast, because you have some real profound moments, but yet you also are very funny. You're very funny. You can laugh, but yet be serious at the same time. Um, first, I want to state for the record, I, I gave up drinking a long time ago. So thanks for the toast. If, if I were to start drinking again, though, it would definitely be one tree. It would be one tree. <laughs> it would be one tree. I just, like, I need to put that out there. Um, Holly, I'm here because I didn't realize, I, I, I wasn't uh, aware of how therapeutic this was going to be. I, I, I didn't realize I was about to go, you know, shed some tears and I'm almost there right now. Um, just how therapeutic this has been. 
And when you say stuff like normalize things, when we hear about a kid on the banks of the Spokane River, uh, a kid that almost got hit by a car and then is you know, in the ocean playing, thinking nothing of it, thinking it's great. Um, or uh, advocate mom saying, I might end up in jail because she's just that passionate. And I would definitely come bail you out if your husband didn't. <laughs> um, it's just like, you, you would tell these stories to people who didn't have kids with autism. You'd get a sympathetic ear or a, oh my gosh and all, but you tell it to us, it's like, oh yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, uh, we know, we've been there, we've done it. So to have that kind of, the recognition that you get from people when you tell these stories, like, yeah, I've been there because... Maybe there was like I, the last time I did this, there was three of us on and there was someone who was a little bit more hesitant to kind of reveal what was going on. Um, and had they known, I mean, it, as it said, by two or three times into this whole thing, now it's just like you, you lift the veil off the whole thing and you just feel a level of comfort um, in expressing this, in expressing the challenges. Um, you know, I, I heard somebody else in the background since I can't see, but I mean, their 11 year old daughter who uh, is uh, you know, a sibling in sibling spotlight and having gender, ident gender identity stuff and that kind of, because is it a residual effect of having a kid with autism? I don't know. I don't know any other life right now other than that. Um, so I just, I feel just a huge sense of appreciation. And so it's been as much about, you know, I guess my frequency has as much to do with what this does for me selfishly um, as it does for anything else. It just, uh, it's something where, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have missed tonight. If I didn't have to be here, I would have been there with you guys. And it's like, I don't know, you know, I don't know everybody in the room, but I know everybody in the room, yeah. you know, there's just that recognition. Um, it, it's at a level where once you just share a little bit, whether you've ever met them or not, you know them. Yeah, no, the, and there's definitely a sense where it is a tribe. There was, I was going through, I was picking up my Walmart groceries and it was a Friday and I just couldn't anymore because it's like the week is hard and it, you just can't anymore. So I'm like Walmart groceries, picking up at the worst time ever, like five o'clock on a Friday, just the worst. And, you know, I'm pulling in and I park and actually I hadn't even pulled in. I was coasting in trying to find a spot to pull into and I passed a person, another car that had an autism sticker and window and I was just like yeah yeah yes. I'm high-fiving like you <laughs> it's like you know it's like the um hunger games <laughs> like yes that is we are here together representing the fact that we're not doing Walmart you know what I mean and it's one of those things where I have no idea who is in that car but I felt connected to that person like we are in the same place we might be like years apart but we are still it is definitely a community and I think we're stronger for it. And that's why my little mission has been trying to, when people ask me, like, what does the Isaac foundation do? I honestly feel like Isaac foundation is really kind of just the glue that brings everybody together. It's like, we're the common thing where we can pull people in so that relationships start to happen. And I will tell you time and time again, that having other people that you can you know, commiserate, celebrate, um, advocate with. Or in my case, there's times where you don't want to do any of that. Yes. You just want to sit in the presence. Well, let's talk about that. Tribe. And that was all I had the energy for that night. And yeah. I was able to say, I'm physically here, but I have nothing to contribute. I have nothing left to give. 
that I just need to be with my people. Yes. Well, and that is an interesting- Holly, I wanted to, I wanted to say something real quick. I mean, and that leads into what you were talking about earlier about, you know, um, almost the, um, the, uh, when you went to the party and, and you were there for a purpose and, you know, what people need to know is sometimes we're going to the party to escape yes. this very thing. Oh, and so- I'll experience- and so when you're kind of, you know, when you're politely and diplomatically ambushed like that, yeah. you know, and with all good intentions, it's just something they kind of put out there. Like, I'm here because I want to normalize my life, even for a few minutes. And so, you know, that's, that was tough. Oh, my gosh. Well, and that is a really good point, David. Let's talk about me for a minute here. I'm Holly with the Isaac Foundation. And do you think I want to be Holly with the Isaac Foundation every day of my life? I don't. I don't. So some of this is actually a very selfish reason to get around people and talk about things that, frankly, have upset me or have made me stop and wonder about certain things and how other, like, again, it normalizes things for me too. Am I the only person that has a wrong with this or have had an experience with this? And so, but again, Anna knows this. I'm going to make Anna be part of my podcast here again. But when I first hired you, true or not true, one of the very first rules is that when you introduce me to people, I'm just Holly at the Isaac Foundation. Very true. Yeah. yeah. And why is it? It is because immediately people look to you with questions and, oh, Holly, I've got a laundry list of questions for you. And then the rest of your night is answering all of those questions. Yes. And here's the thing. Sometimes I don't mind. The other thing that happens sometimes is that people hold you at a different level. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Like if you only knew the shit show, but like is my life, you would know that there is nothing that should be on a pedestal about this. And I'm very open about everything. And that's, so it's kind of a twofold thing. You're right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I go to mom's night because I'm not going to lie. There was one mom's night and thank God nobody showed up. I thought no one was going to show up. So I was just there by myself drinking problem number one because I had just finished the worst IEP of like the history of the world and so I was like oh thank god nobody showed up at mom's night and so I drank too much and then lo and behold two moms show up like an hour late and I was like oh dear well this is gonna be awkward it was before I hired you right yeah it was before you became my best friend oh my goodness it was just not good because like you know, I have problems too. And despite all the things that you know about autism, sometimes you just need to sit and be sad. Um, my son, Isaac would have been graduating this year. And I really struggled with that more so than I wanted to admit, because I didn't want to put it out there because I was so worried because I didn't want to have it detract from anybody else celebrating their child's graduation. And so I struggled and struggled and cry. I didn't even tell my husband because his son Cooper was that would that is his, this year was his senior year I mean he'll continue to go to school but you know they were having him do the graduation things and that's the thing there are times where I'm just profoundly sad and um and that's where I think that you know we all are in different places and that day going back to Maria <laughs> the day that you came to mom's night. We actually implemented a new policy after, I don't want to say policy. That sounds just like very formal, but we made kind of a new system at mom's night. And we have these little clothespins now. One side's blue, one side's white. Because you came, you had had, it was just, it, things had been tremendously hard because of the things that you were dealing with, just with school, um, teachers, IEPs, all the things. And you were- the river. Yes, the river. We, I mean, just so many things had just culminated. And so you just, you needed to be with your tribe, but you had nothing. You didn't want to talk about anything. You just wanted to 
exist and be with your people, but not contribute. You just needed to be in that tribe. And um, then some, there was a mom that wanted to offer you a lot of advice and things. And that was just, and you were so gracious, which I very much appreciated it, but I felt so badly because I could definitely sense where you were. And you were very clear about it. I'm just here. I can't offer anything. And typically I just, I'm very social. I can talk yes. to anybody, carry conversation and knowing that about myself and knowing where the place that I was in. And I yeah. walked in, I'm like, I have nothing to give. I'm just going to sit here. Yes. I don't even want to drink. No, you I sat drink, in no. the corner of the table and just sat there. But that's yes. what my soul, that was all I could take in. That's what you that did. was it. I couldn't take in advice. I wasn't looking for advice. I wasn't looking for help. I wasn't looking for support. Some, and even not even sympathy. No, I didn't even want, I just wanted to yes. be there. And that's not a typical yeah. feeling that I get. But I knew that that was a safe place to say, yes. don't engage with me. I just need to sit here. And there was a well-meaning mom that didn't pick up on that vibe and was just offering you all the things. And you were very gracious um, because you could have just got up and left and just said, you know, don't you hear my words? I said, no, I don't want anything. So we implemented the clothespin system after that. And there's two different colors. Um, so depending on what color is out, if you are blue, that means that you are just there and you really don't want advice. We're just going to wrap our arms around you and just be here and present. And if you want to talk and share, that's great. Um, white, if you have the white side of the clothespin out, that means that, hey, yeah, like give me some advice. I have a question, whatever the case may be, so that we can just be a little bit more perceptive. I mean, because it's difficult. If you don't know the person, how would you know where they're at? Like, I feel like we know each other very well. And <clears throat> that was the one night where I really felt powerless because it's like, I just wanted to shield you. But this other parent was there because after everyone left, she needed to talk to me and explain something that was going on. And, you know, and I'm glad that she did. And it's just not everybody is as perceptive. We don't know each other as well. And so how would you know that? So we have now the clothespin system and it is awesome. I do love it. So if you come down to mom's night, David, you should come to mom's night at some point too. bring your wife because she's only come to one. So you can bring your wife. The two of you should come to mom's night. I feel like you should be an honorary member because you definitely podcast a lot with us us moms, you should definitely come. Um, but, and that's the thing we're always growing. We're always learning and we all need different things, which is why the podcast is so great because you can get it in small digestible little sips. We're going to wrap this episode here and you can catch the rest of our conversation on part two of our 100th podcast episode. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe and just remember we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.